I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. I'm here to have conversations, real, honest, authentic conversations, the kind we aren't supposed to have anymore. I interview anyone I find interesting, from left to right to everywhere in between. I work independently in order to have the freedom to say what I believe and speak to whoever I want. But with independence comes a lot of work and some insecurity. I rely on donors and patrons, so individuals, to support my work so I can continue to do what I do. Please consider becoming a subscriber on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Megan Murphy. Thank you so much for supporting Conversations Outside the Algorithm. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Jenna Hawk, a cannabis activist, the owner of Cannamama Clinic, a feminist, and a woman who has worked in strip clubs for about 20 years. Thank you for joining me on The Same Drugs. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Um, you. I... Uh, I guess we've known each other online for a, maybe like a couple of years now. I can't remember. I've been following you for a while, but okay. you know, I've seen the whole thing of you getting kicked off Twitter and I was following you long before that. But I would say I've probably been following you at least five years. Oh, okay. Anyway, well, th- so we've known each other online for a little <laughs> while. We've never like met via the internet, like face to face. Um, but I mean, I guess like... I don't know a ton about you. So I wonder, like, maybe you can just tell me briefly, like, a bit about yourself. I know you kind of do cannabis activism. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote an article in 2015 that basically outed myself as what I call a cannamama. And that's how I'm known most often um, is my work with cannabis education for women who consume medicinally during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So I talk to a lot of women about their birthing, lactation, uh, motherhood, and um, my company centers itself around women. And so I've been definitely targeted and attacked with the trans stuff. And I actually peak trans before I opened my business. So I've been in like the feminist arena for, I guess, about almost seven, eight years now. What's your business? Um, it's called Canamama Clinic. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I'm assuming this, I don't, I'm not involved in cannabis activism. I'm definitely like, I don't smoke weed, but it's not because I'm against weed. I tried to smoke weed for like many, many years and it just doesn't work for me. It just makes me yeah. like want to lie on the couch and eat candy. So it's like, this is unproductive. <laughs> it seems to work well for some people. It doesn't work well for me. But like, is your activism pretty controversial in the States? Absolutely. Um, everywhere, actually. I mean, I've I've helped people all over the world. But um, yeah, absolutely. I've had articles written about me and talked about that I'm harming women and babies and had all kinds of things said about me and my work. So yeah, I'm used to the pushback and the bullying. And I've had it from the left, from the right, because I've also written about abortion. And I went viral on Facebook, or I mean, I went viral everywhere, but it was because of Facebook, because I did some lactation 
um, activism about breastfeeding and being able to breastfeed in public. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of controversial. I tend to stir the shit. <laughs> so you were like totally cool when you got attacked for being like a turf or whatever happened there. Maybe you can actually tell, tell us a bit about what went down in terms of the trans issue for you. Um, for me, so this happened in 2014, actually in November of 2014, I still remember the month because it was like right around Thanksgiving and it affected me so badly. Um, so like I said, I was in the mother community. I did a lot of stuff with breastfeeding, birthing, um, actually circumcision and just, you know, mother and child. And I was in a mother community and it was like everything to me because I don't know, I was kind of disconnected. I think like a lot of new moms are, we don't have a lot of support, you know what I mean? So you're looking for that community and that was mine. And um, we got in this discussion about rape shelters and I had no idea that men were allowed in rape shelters, no idea. And they're like, what, what do you mean men? And I'm like, well, they have a penis, right? And they're like, they started just chopping me to pieces. I had never heard turf. The girl was a university student at Perth in, in, in Australia. Um, I think Perth University, but she lived in Perth. Um, and I still remember all of this simply because it was so, it just affected me so bad. Um, and I didn't know any of this stuff. And I soon quickly found out that transgender was not what I thought it was. And that people that called themselves transgender were not transsexuals. I didn't know that, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about self-ID. I found Magdalene Burns. I found radical feminists. I jumped into all of that because I was ostracized from the motherhood community. Uh, they basically went from loving me to hating me and trying to like ruin my business, trying to ruin my reputation, attacking me personally on and offline. Um, so I was looking for new community and I found radical feminists. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny because it's like they, a lot of times these kinds of people act as though you're intentionally trying to be mean or harmful or hateful or whatever, like, Whereas it's clear that you, for example, were just like, yeah, they're men. Like you're just stating the obvious thing, but, and, yeah. and you hadn't realized how controversial it was to call a man, a man. So right. You know. <laughs> right. And then actually, <clears throat> excuse me, not long after that, I attended a abortion doula training seminar and was kicked out of the seminar because a man who identified as trans was there um, and knew about like my online activism and things I said about men who identify as trans. And his, he said he was uncomfortable. I would not provide pronouns. They kicked me out. And so I made a live with uh, three other women were with me, um, some canamamas actually. And we went live on Facebook and Ali Misandri on YouTube shared that and that went viral. Uh, I was a little more than pissed off, <laughs> used a lot of cuss words, and I wasn't the very most professional, but I was really upset. Um, so yeah, I've had a lot of different interactions, and most lately I've been very focused with trans ideologies harm on women and children. That's what I've been speaking about most often lately. 
Yeah. Okay. So I remember that, like, I think that's how I came to know who you are was when that video went viral um, that you did around or at the doula conference. Um, So like, can you just remind me what happened there? So there was a, there was a guy there who identified as a woman and. Right. He was the only one there um, that was male everybody else was female. And then we had to sit in the circle and give our pronouns. And it was the most bizarre behavior because everyone was obviously women. Um, And we were talking about women's health and abortion rights and um, how to be a doula for abortion services. That was what the seminar was about. So it was, it was very odd. And all of it was performative for this man. And then when I wouldn't give my pronouns and, you know, it was a few years ago, I forget exactly how it went down. They accused me of hate speech and making people feel uncomfortable. And I think actually they said that I posted something from the event online, but I hadn't. I just, I think I said something about the pronouns. So I didn't give anything personal or um, endanger anyone in any way, but that's basically what they accused me of you know, mm-hmm. the whole violence thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you found the radical feminist community and was that sort of useful to you in terms of like, I don't know, I guess maybe you're not feeling so alone or yeah, a little absolutely. bit more comfortable speaking about this stuff or something. Um, I think even more than that, I think it helped me understand the theory behind feminism and the history behind feminism, even though I have a political science degree, I graduated from Colorado University of Denver in 2011. Um, I focused my entire education on class oppression, but I was more focused on financial class and even racial issues. I thought I'm a woman. I don't need to take the gender studies or whatever. Like I, I know why I'm oppressed or whatever. Uh, I actually didn't know a lot of stuff. I learned more outside of college about feminism and, you know, second, third wave and now fourth wave feminism than I ever learned in school. But at least I had the tools to understand what was coming at me because there's so many uh, intelligent, just fascinating women with all this knowledge out there that are being ignored, of course. But, you know, I was so happy to find them on Facebook and they have a lot of groups um, that I did join up until stuff about sex work came up. And that I think is kind of where we are talking about today is uh, you had recent conversations about porn and stuff and you've been attacked recently by the radical feminist community. So, um, yeah. And I've experienced the same actually because of some of my opinions surrounding that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, obviously well not obviously for everybody who's watching maybe but um like for people who followed me for a really long time like I've been writing critically about pornography and prostitution the sex industry strip clubs all of that stuff for like many years now like probably about you know 10 years at this point um and you know like interviewing women who were in prostitution and like interviewing um all sorts of people who were involved in basically the fight to change legislation around prostitution, you know, women who are anti-porn or, you know, fighting the porn industry and stuff like that. And 
you know, my, you know, my perspectives have always been really clear. Like I advocate the Nordic model, which, you know, decriminalizes women in prostitution and criminalizes men who pay for sex and pimps and traffickers. And I'm opposed to pornography in general, you know, like I think it's when you talk about pornography, uh, people will always be like, oh, well, what about like amateur porn? Like, what about like feminist porn? Like, what about ethical porn? So it's like when I'm talking about pornography and primarily talking about like mainstream porn, like porn that I mean, it's all kind of blurry now, but I'm talking right. about like the industry. I'm talking about like Pornhub. I'm talking about all the mind geek stuff, which I, you know, it's a hugely predatory, predatorial and exploitative okay. industry. Um, but I also like, like I've just, I've always had a lot of men in my life, I guess. Like, it's like, I have a lot of male, I have like, you know, some of my best friends are, some of my best friends are men. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Imagine but, that. But really they are, you know, like I have a lot of close male friends. I always have, I've always like hung out with a lot of dudes. Like I've always totally. been like, like I've, it's, I've often been like the one girl with like a bunch of dudes. Like I've like always one of the guys. Friends. Yeah. Like, so yeah. You know, like I've been in the situation where I go to this trip club with a bunch of my male friends, like I've mm-hmm. like many times and like, I, and yeah, and I've just always, I've always had boyfriends. Um, and so porn has always been sort of like, it's been an issue in part because especially when I discovered radical feminism and I started under like reading critiques of pornography and started to feel more comfortable in the fact that I felt uncomfortable, you know, like I went through this phase when I was like in my you know, when I was probably around 19, 20, where I felt like I was learning about third wave feminism, especially in university and feeling like, oh, this is something that I should be into. Like other women are watching porn, I guess. Like maybe I should be exploring feminist pornography or like I, everybody else, I guess, is turned on by this. So I should be too, but I never liked it. I always found it quite disturbing I found it obviously really misogynistic. There's obviously tons of awful racism. Like it's super degrading. And I also just genuinely kind of like, I didn't really get it. Like I was like, I don't really want to watch other people's like holes (laughs) being penetrated (laughs) up close. Like I'm like, this is kind of gross. Like, I was, like, I'm like, like it's true. It's like, I don't know. This isn't sexy. This is gross. Like, really? this is like, some, really? like, I don't know these people. Like, yeah. if it's happening to me, great. But like, you know, like, I like sex for me, but I don't, right. I don't really relate to like wanting to look at other people having sex sure. like that. But it's so, so normalized now that people treat people like you're, abnormal if you're not into it I guess kind totally of. they do yeah. like they treated you like like a freak or like well like a prude obviously and that right. happened to right. me so many times where you know and it wasn't just men who were doing it like we can get into this more but I mean one of the main problems I'm I've been having with radical feminists lately is that they really talk about this in such a binary way like it's like men are the enemy and women are the victims right so women can kind of like you know, it's always, it's like 
men are doing this, men are doing this, men are doing this. And it's kind of like, eh, that is not totally true. Like women are totally participating in this stuff. I mean, third wave feminism, as far as I'm concerned, is primarily responsible for normalizing pornography and sure. ensuring that we can't speak critically about these things. Right. Because it's empowerment. It's been framed as an empowering um, choice activity. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like if women are choosing it, then you don't get to say anything about it. And if that woman is saying, whatever, I, I love it. Like, I love getting fucked by strangers on cam- camera. Like, right. it's like you have to, you, you're not allowed to say anything. Like, mm, are you sure? Talk to me in five years. Because <laughs> then, then it's anti-woman or anti-feminist to, yeah. well, analyze it. And I And I did experience that a lot for myself being in the sex work industry myself. And that you know, I heard what you said about not enjoying porn. I was the opposite. I actually, I would probably say I had a porn addiction. My husband and I watched a lot of porn. I watched a lot of porn as a a young person. Um, And actually radical feminism gave me, like, I didn't analyze it. It was weird. Like you said, you would look at all these things and all the stuff you learned. Like, it's like all the things I knew just were gone when I would turn the porn on. Right. You know, I didn't look at it from any kind of analytical lens it was just like a horny lens I guess (laughs) and um radical feminism actually helped me be like well maybe I I shouldn't watch porn maybe wait that's harmful for women or you know and I do understand that but I also work at strip club and I think that that was like kind of something we were going to talk about because it is contradictory but it is part of like just real life and it's the part where I have to deal with the theory as opposed to you know my life and what I actually do and my choices, like what you're talking about. Some people do, we choose it. And I am told I'm a victim until I start talking with radical feminists about that part, about my choices and why I've chosen this and that. And then right away I get attacked. And it's an interesting reversal. Um, One moment you're infantilized and you're a victim and men are doing this to you. And the next moment you're attacked for participation. Yeah, it's true. It is. It's weird because it's like on one hand, I find that a lot of radical feminists online will act as though women can do no wrong because you're, you're a permanent, you're a perma victim. And like, so women's bad behavior is often excused by radical feminists. It's like radical feminists who behave in really cruel, like hateful and often honestly kind of misogynist ways, as far as I've observed are excused because it's like, Oh, well, you know, women are angry because of the patriarchy and they're oppressed. And it's like, no, 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 no. Women still have to be accountable too. Like if we're going to yeah. talk about holding men accountable for their behavior and their actions, then women have to be accountable too. And right. I mean, those excuses could be used to defend abusive men if we're going to do Everything. that because abusive men have often been abused and that's how they learn sure. that behavior. Right. Yeah. Um, I just want to, before I do, I want to talk to you about your experience um, working in strip clubs, but I want to talk a little bit more about the porn thing. Um, so like, how did you start watching porn? I think like the first time I ever saw porn was probably at my parents, you know, my mom's room, bedroom stuff, getting into shit that I wasn't supposed to find it and start viewing. Cause I can remember viewing porn very, very young, like Mm -hmm. way too young. And, um, I watched it all through high school. I can remember watching it as a young adult. So I've, I haven't 
watch porn now. Like it's been a thing that me and my husband like have this agreement on that we don't watch porn since my daughter, my middle daughter was small. So, you know, we're, she's almost eight. She'll be, she's seven and a half. So it's been quite a few years that that's been like a thing for my own personal values. And it's weird because like you say, it doesn't turn you on. Like watching people does turn me on in ways, you know what I mean? So that's actually been part of over the last few years. And I haven't done it for a couple of years, but um, I used to own a sex group on Facebook and it was very popular. Everybody had to be verified to get into it. And we shared pictures and videos and lots of really just raunchy shit. And um, but it was a lot of fun and it was all women. And we talked about from vanilla sex to kinks and stuff. And I have to say, I didn't have any like rules about what we couldn't do or what, what people couldn't talk about or be a part of or anything like this until uh, one particular post about this woman enjoying being beaten. And I mean, the pictures I saw made me sick. I, I almost vomited. I had to, I was like, I don't ever want to see this again. And um, that was when I had to make a rule about like the violence in sex, which was really weird because then it was like one of the first times I had to address like kink shaming. And I'm like, oh, wow, I am a kink shamer now, but there's just, there has to be lines drawn. And, and, and there's just so much to, um, address with porn and the sexual fantasy industry. Like it's a huge umbrella of um, people's personal choices around sex. And I think, you know, when you were talking with Richie, that was something that struck me is something he said that um, he said, it is the backdrop to our lives. And, but he was talking about porn and I thought, Actually, I think he's talking about sex. He's not talking about porn, but he means sex because sex is the backdrop to our lives. It's in advertisement. I mean, we think about it all the time. Science tells us human beings think about sex like all the time and, you know, trickles off as we get older. But I think yeah. that's why porn, porn is so popular, right, is because people want to be stimulated. They think about it. They want to have it. And that's part to me, you know, that why I create, created the group to give women the safe space. And I was teaching women to be anti-porn and to use their imaginations and encourage their partners to, you know, God forbid, foreplay, <laughs> stuff like this. But I've heard some of the most horrible things of women's sex lives. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I do have a perspective from both sides. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, th he w I think he was talking about porn. Yeah, um, he was. And it's, I mean, for me, like part of what I was trying to articulate in that conversation and then in, in some other places online where I was trying to talk about this was like, I just felt like, I felt like radical feminists were not, I felt I mean, it's such a cliche, so I hate to, you know, play into that kind of thing. But it's like, I do think that a lot of radical feminists are kind of out of touch in terms of what's going on in the real world and real people's lives. Um, right. You know, they've read books. They, they, they talk about this a lot online. So they sort of are like, you know, this is what's happening. This is in porn. This is what people are watching. And then they've, they create this, this line, right? It's like, no, you should never, like, don't date a man who watches porn. Don't be around men who watch porn. Like, if there's a man in your life, like, you're 
father, your brother, I don't know, friend, boyfriend, obviously, like that means that they don't care about women, like they hate women. And, you know, these people basically are our enemies because porn is this like horrible, violent, like thing where, you know, like that is connected to, you know, sex trafficking and, and, and sexual assault and all sorts of other stuff. And it's not that those things aren't true. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, (laughs) that's a huge, huge major problem. Like there is some like beyond disgusting, horrific stuff in pornography. And, but like at the same time, it's like, well, almost everyone we know is watching pornography. Like it's like, if you get out into the world, like if you socialize with regular people, who aren't radical feminists, which I do all the time. It's like, everybody's watching porn. The women are watching porn. The men are watching porn. You know, um, the guys that I'm sleeping with and dating are watching or have watched or whatever. And you can't like, you have to have real conversations with people, especially if you want them to understand Right. What your concerns are and what you're talking about. You can't just you it doesn't work to just say you're that's bad and you're bad and I guess you're a misogynist. Right. Cause a a lot of the time the response from radical feminists will be, Well, fuck what men think. Yeah. Fuck fuck men's sexuality. Like, why do we care what men find attractive? And I'm like, Well, the reason I care is because as long as they find this attractive, guess what? It's going to exist because when has ever trying to take away supply into demand, right? So I think understanding why men find certain things um, sexually stimulating is pretty important from a feminist standpoint. If we want men to stop finding degrading, abusive stimuli, uh, sexually doing it for them. You know what I'm saying? I like cannot think of the word right now, but that's, if it turns you on, there's a problem. And like, how can we even have that conversation if you first shut it down with, well, I don't care why men go to the strip club. I don't care why men purchase women. I don't care why men think that it's okay if they're horny, that they're going to turn on this kind of, you know, masturbatory material. Like, you know, and part of it is also the heterosexual aspect of it you know we do get attacked for being heterosexual first of all i mean that was one of the criticisms i saw against you um from another very popular radical feminist was you know she was criticizing your article talking criticizing the idea of separatism like well i i like men too you know i am married i have children i have a male son but I also have a foster son. You know what I mean? I have three 16 year old boys in my house right now. Um, as we're talking, they're downstairs. And, you know, that's just right off the top of my head. Like I have men in my life and the idea that it's not politically viable. It's not a real solution. And I learned that in college when I was getting my political science degree, like it's just a waste of space, a waste of time. You're just blowing hot air because nobody is going to go along with you. And so that's where I found, like, I want real solutions. I want, if I'm going to work towards this feminist ideal of female liberation from male oppression, well, what does that actually look like? And that's why I don't sit there and say, oh, yeah, stripping is empowerment. I mean, I don't believe that, not one bit. But from a capitalist perspective, you know, it helps me out. But there's no nuance. 
when you talk to radical feminists, they're just like, oh no, fuck your life, go on welfare, forget your kids' dreams, forget the reasons that you will degrade yourself or whatever they want to call it. Um, none of that matters. And I don't, I don't think that's realistic when you're dealing with most of the population. It's well, yeah, it's really weird too. the heterosexuality criticisms. Yeah. Like a bunch of radical feminists online said things like, I mean, they called me like a ball palmer. Um, and I was like, Ugh, guilty. Like, <laughs> I, I am heterosexual. So <laughs> um, like, and like, and like, whatever, like a handmaiden. But I saw a bunch of people saying like, oh, she's just, she's saying all this because she wants a boyfriend. And I was like, man, I have a man. Like, but right. I, I don't have trouble finding boyfriends. But it's like this, like, oh, well, you know, you're just saying all these things because you're trying to suck up to men. And it's like, I don't, Take I don't need shit. to suck up to men. Right. Like, give me a break. Like, that's right. not, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. But also <laughs> like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know. It's like mo the vast majority of women are heterosexual and want to sure. have sex with men and enjoy having sex with men. Right. So to act like women are politically compromised because of that is like, well, you, you can't have feminism without 95% of women and without understanding that women genuinely like men. Not all women like see men as enemies or as dangerous right. like some women of course do um you know a lot of women have experienced like i've experienced abuse but it, yeah. I, it, i've been raped yeah like most most women have experienced some yeah. form of like abuse or sexual assault or at least sexual harassment or something you know well that's one of the things that i think actually upsets me is because some of the criticism i've received is well you must be a privileged sex worker like putting those mm -hmm. two words together is absolutely ridiculous i've had horrible things happen to me at work let's just be real um but i've had horrible things happen to me in life. I've had horrible things happen to me when I wasn't doing sex work, right? When I was just a receptionist at a car dealership and had things happen to me or a waitress or, you know what I mean? Like, why can't I pick my oppression? That is one of the things that I ask all the time and they act like they don't know what I'm saying, but I'm like, well, if I'm going to be sexually oppressed or harassed or whatever, why can't I pick this job over this job? If this job is making five times what I would make at this job, why can't I choose to do that? Because I'm still going to be sexually harassed at either job. Oh, that's right. Because this job, you tell me I can't work because then I'm an anti-feminist. And this job, you're just going to pity me because I've been sexually harassed. Oh, yay, me too. But I'm still going to be broke. And that's where I'm like, for me, I want to make my own decisions. I don't want men to tell me what to do. And I don't want radical feminists to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's where we've had a major disconnect. Um, you know, fundamentally, like I, some of them just really don't like me. <laughs> like they just don't like you. <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it is unfortunately another one of those things where there's like an ideological bubble that exists as it does mm -hmm. in any movement or activist community, sure. um, which I, you know, like, you know, radical feminism is just isn't special in that regard. Like people operate in these silos and like, if you challenge the, the accepted mantras or arguments sure. or beliefs, then you're, you're rejected. And that's really unfortunate because 
I mean, it just means that it's not accessible to most people. It just means that you're pushing people out of something that you would assume you want to bring more women into. But if you're not going to be realistic with about women and women's lives and that, you know, we are all very diverse and we want different things and that, yeah, of course, like we, like we love men. Like it's like you, you like you love your partner or you, like you are your family members or your friends or whatever it is. And we're just not going to see the world in this way ever. And, you know, and this is coming from somebody like I've been super engaged in feminism for almost my entire life. Right. But most women have not. Most women are just living their lives and not really thinking about the patriarchy all that much. Exactly. But like, okay, so how did you get into stripping? Uh, Well, I guess out of necessity, Um, about a year and a half after I had my son, my relationship with him, with his father fell apart. And I just felt like that would be an easy way to make money. You know, I live in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. So um, that was a huge motivation. How can I make the most money in the least amount of time and still be able to spend time with my kid? And I like it sounds very conceited and I'm not trying to be conceited right now, but I have the male gaze thing going on. I'm not wearing makeup or anything, but that's what, you know, radical feminists talk about. Like uh, all I have to do is put makeup on, do my hair a little bit, push my tits up and ta-da, I make a lot of money. And it's, I feel like that's one of the things that they just don't really even understand when I say like, I totally exploit men. Um, it pisses off some radical feminists to even frame it as that men can be the ones being being victimized by sex workers. But I think like their sexuality allows for it, you know, and if a woman has the ability like I do, then why not? And and I'm not I, I feel very like nervous to even start saying this. I know I'm going to get attacked. I know I'm going to get attacked by radical feminists, but, but I am not. um you know, promoting it. I I always will be the first one to warn women. This is not an easy job. This is not something you maybe want to do. There's a whole bunch of reasons you're not going to like it. You're going to be degraded. You're going to feel some type of way about yourself. You might be around a lot of drugs. Like there's a lot of things, you know, I definitely will be the first person that says, I don't think anyone under 21 should be in a bar, you know, like 18 year old strippers. I I hate it. So uh, I definitely believe in highly regulated sex fantasy industry. But at the same time, I do it and I've done it and I've done it for a very long time. So when I say uh, a year and a half after my son was born, we're talking 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. It's 2021. And I've been going back before I finished my degree, after I finished my degree, in between jobs, you know, while I'm working professionally, while I'm doing feminism, while I'm doing activism. And it's because it pays very, very, very well. So like, tell me what, tell me what the men are like who come to the strip club. Like, what is, like, are they, like, do you, I mean... I know that they're not all the same, but yeah, I mean, they're all different. And yeah. I think that is, um, I think that's part of radical feminists problem, honestly, is that how do you end the demand when the people demanding it are a huge market, a very um, just 
they're very different. Everybody's different. Old, young, rich, poor, lonely, married, you know, polyamorous, uh, queer, straight, super straight. Uh, women come in the bar. Um, everybody comes in the strip club, except for the people that don't like it. And that's if you want to figure out why people go, that you don't talk to the people that don't like it or the people that have exited the industry. You talk to the people that keep going back, mm -hmm. <laughs> that keep that keep the industry alive. Um, so why do men go to strip clubs? I feel I know like most, most men are lonely. Most of the men that go there are lonely. Even the cute ones, they're lonely. They're looking for something. They want attention. Um, they want to be the center of attention. They want to talk to some girls. They want, I mean, really, I think it is. It's only loneliness and attention because no matter which way I break it down, it ultimately the need is that they want some kind of interaction with a beautiful woman. And what do you, I mean, what do you think about the men that go to the strip club? Like, do you think they're losers? Or do you think they're gross? Or do you think they're like, they're believing a lie or? All of that. <laughs> It just depends, you know, it depends on how they treat me and how frequently they come in, regulars or something. Sometimes you feel sorry for them. Um, but yeah, that all plays into what I've been taught as well, like my belief system and my morals about how I feel about feminism. Sometimes I go out on the floor and I'm like, I'm about to take these people's money. I'm really about to take these men's money and fuck every single one of them because I know that they're probably an asshole, might be an abuser. And if I can leave, if I can, if they can leave the club broke because of me, more power to it. Like, I'm happy about that. Um, and that might sound really terrible. Well, why are they there? They know what they're getting into, you know? So it's this very, maybe even like an abusive game, right? They're abusing me, I'm abusing them right back. It is what it is, though. And so, so do you think it's true that men who, like, frequent strip clubs don't respect women? I don't think that's necessarily true, but they have to disconnect, you know, because I think men often disconnect from their respect for women, right? Like when they objectify a woman. And it's not just in strip clubs. It can be an advertisement or just... You know, there's so many scientific ways that we've learned that men objectify women um, and reasons why. But no, I don't necessarily think that it's not that they respect you because plenty of the guys are super respectful when they come in there. They're like actually really nice to you. So how can you just be like, no, that they don't respect you? Well, do you think, well, I mean, do you think that it's disrespectful to their partners, for example? Like, does it disrespect? Yeah, if it's against their um, relationship rules, everybody has different relationship boundaries of what they consider cheating and not. And plenty of guys go and cheat. Sure. Yeah. I mean, overall, this is why I say, like, I don't feel like when people are like, oh, yeah, I stripped and it was empowering. And I'm like, okay, how? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not a feminist act. And I believe a lot of things I do are not feminist acts. Like, if I shave my legs. Right. Or like, according to some feminists, just being married isn't a feminist act. I have a male son. You know, it's like who is arbitrating what is feminism and what 
things that we do are feminist. Like every single thing I do is not feminist. I'm not a feminist 24 seven all the time. I eat, drink, breathe feminism. Like I have to actually live. I think that that was part of kind of what we touched on with the realism versus or reality versus the theory, you know, because you can't just live theory. It doesn't, it's not real. Yeah. Well, and of course, and I mean, I, I've sort of, I gave up on that a long time ago. Like, I don't really care if everything I do is feminist or not, because obviously it's not. Like, that's crazy. Like, it's like, I wear makeup. Like, sometimes I wear heels. Like, I Mm -hmm. definitely, like, sometimes will wear, like, short skirts and tight outfits. And I don't, I just don't, I don't mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think it's fine. But, like, you know, it's not the kind of sex that I have is not, like, feminist sex. Like, things don't work like that. Like, the kind of music I listen to is not feminist music. Like, the way that I talk out in the world is not, you know, like, politically correct. And, I mean, we all, like, I, I just find it strange that, people pretend as though, you know, in their private lives, they're politically pure because they just don't buy it. Like, I don't see that like people, people, yeah, people aren't theory, you know, like, and so I just, I mean, maybe they are, maybe they only socialize with, you know, their feminist partner and some other radical feminists and they're really not around other people. So it's easy for them to, be higher than thou in that in that way but most people are just operating out in the real world and can't right and I feel like okay so definitely there are going to be women that are separatists that are going to put themselves on their own purity tests of everything it has to do is feminist centered okay fine but what is the end goal with that who are you winning over and how are you actually toppling patriarchy? I mean, are we having conversations with men? Are you talking to young men? What is actually changing by you just basically disengaging from all of society? And that's kind of where I'm at is that I do, I try to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people on the left, on the right people. I I might think you're a misogynist in my head, but I'm still going to have a conversation with you if you're going to allow it. Um, And I think that that's part of it. The, the blocking and the purity stuff where you're not a radical feminist or you can't uh, don't talk to this person over here because they believe that, but you both have the same goal with transgenderism, for instance. Like I, I take a lot of issue with that in the radical feminist community. And I guess in general, we're living in a cancel culture and everybody wants to pick teams and stuff, but I'm over here out for myself and just trying to survive out here in my crazy city. And sometimes I have to make choices that other people won't agree with, but if it works for me and for my family and I'm, I guess that's the issue is people would say I'm hurting people, right? I'm hurting other women. Um, that's where we're at, right? Is I'm selfish. I'm greedy. These are all things I've heard. I'm, I'm the whore, um, that chooses to go and, and be degraded by men. I think on your thread, they told me I fell in love with my degradation. (laughs) I didn't see that. Yeah. And, um, these are things I've been told by radical feminists for a long time and I don't see how it's helpful. I mean, yeah, I do think that like I think I think that there's analysis there because I guess what they might say or maybe what I would have said um at some point would be like you know 
we should try not to normalize or make acceptable objectification and, and sort of make it okay for men to treat women in this way or see women in this way. Um, but I mean, obviously there's broader complexities when we talk about people trying to survive, you know, like I don't, I do feel like critical, for example, of chicks who are constantly self-objectifying on Instagram um, for, for male attention and male validation. I also feel bad for them because I feel like I'm like, eh, you probably have pretty low self-esteem if this is like your primary source of validation is like getting strange guys to like, like your ass shots or whatever. It just like, it doesn't scream confidence to me. Um, Especially if it's not like your job, like you're just sort of doing that voluntarily. (laughs) I think, I think so. But sometimes I'm like, I want to show my ass because maybe I'm looking good right now. You know, I feel like there's a lot of, I guess that's the thing is just this controlling women's um, everything we do is under the microscope. You know, if we, if someone's wearing a burka, they're going to be asked, well, who are you doing it for? And if you're wearing a skimpy, whatever, showing your ass on Instagram, it's you're going to be asked, well, who are you doing it for? And maybe I'm just doing it for myself. <laughs> you know, maybe I like the way I look in this shot or whatever, and I want to share it with the world. I just want to put it out there. But I do understand you because I will self-criticize myself in the same way. Like, oh, how many am I, sh- am I showing too much skin? How many shots have I put up that show too much skin maybe this one needs to be you know like and it sucks because women are always doing that to themselves I want to be accepted yeah I mean I I just sort of think people should be honest about what they're doing like it annoys me because it's like if I want a man like obviously I want men to think I'm attractive um so if I am like wearing a short skirt or like you know trying to look hot or whatever it is like that's what I'm doing it for like I want sure. men to think oh she looks good like it's not like I'm not super I don't feel like I'm super like desperate about it but you know like obviously I want like the guy I'm dating to be like oh you look hot right like and I don't think that and I just think that that's what I think people should just be honest about what they're doing like it annoys me more when people when all these like you know third wave feminists these you know these younger women are saying, Oh, I'm, I'm just putting on makeup for me. Oh, I'm just putting this like shot of my ass on Instagram for me. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not. Cause if you were just doing it for you, you wouldn't put it on Instagram. You just look at it. You're like, wow, my ass looks really great. Like you're putting it there. Cause you want, want to show it off. You want that attention and Feedback. you want men to say like, yeah. yeah, your ass looks good. I like it. Or you like, are you are seeking some kind of like dopamine hit from, you know, so much of social media is about that kind of addiction sure. where you get the hits from likes, regardless of like, it doesn't have to be about objectification. It can be about, you know, all sorts of things. Um, Just getting jazzed because you're getting that like, like you said, you're like, Oh, I have 150 likes on my sweet ass pic. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, and obviously like, yeah, like it's like, I, there's, yeah. Anyway, I like, you know, like I, I like myself. I like parts of my body. Like it's like, I, I understand wanting to show that off or get validation from that. It's not that I don't get it. I just, yeah, I think that, 
we should be honest about it and and not we i don't see why we have to pretend that everything is some kind of feminist choice or empowering choice and i do think that we should think critically about why we do things and you know what we're posting about ourselves online and what we're wanting to get out of that and you know like in the long term what we gain like i think yeah. that women need to think a lot more critically about actually building real self confidence because so many young women have grown up in this porn culture where they really can't imagine any other form of confidence or validation beyond their bodies and their fuckability. Sure. And that stuff is sh like short-term stuff. So I, right. I think, you know, like if you're going to invest everything in this, you know, you're going to get to a certain point in your life, you know, like 40, 50, 60, whenever that happens where you don't have that anymore. And then you, where where is your self confidence from if you haven't really developed a good relationship with yourself if you haven't totally. developed other skills if you haven't yeah sort of really like I don't know it sounds kind of cheesy but kind of worked on yourself and developed yeah, no, I'm there. real things that you're proud of yourself <sighs> for yeah no I totally get what you mean because I'm 39 so I've I've been hitting that wall with like okay so I've done this for a really long time and like how much longer can I really do it and what's my next, I guess, financial move, because I don't want to just suddenly take a hit financially. But at the same time, like, yeah, I can't do this forever. So what you're saying is totally right, because um, whether we like it or not, men are not going to be attracted to the 50 year old women in the strip club, typically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a I tough know. one. I mean, any, I mean, anyway, I feel like I kind of went off on a tangent there. No worries. But like, I guess, I mean, so what? What have your experiences been like working in the strip club? Like, do you have you enjoyed it? Have you really not enjoyed it? Has it made you like have a lower opinion of men? Like, I don't, you know, what's that been like? Um, I have enjoyed it, actually. That's part of sometimes what gives me a lot of criticism is because it's not just financial, but it's also like it works for me. It works for my schedule. I get to spend more time with my children. I get to spend time building my small business and just not being, um, you know, I don't have to punch in nine to five and get up and do the rat race and deal with traffic and all this stuff. And I get to go to work and party and and drink and listen to music and talk with people and enjoy myself. Most of the times I don't have these horror stories of, and I guess maybe that's what's wrong with me, right? That I don't feel like every single time I have to take my top off or show my ass to somebody for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, that that's not a horror story. I think to radical feminists that is right. Every time, like when I say that they're like, ah! and I get it. But for me, it's not. And I have been able to just, I guess, separate myself from that. We're like, what I'm doing is worth it. For me, it's worth it. The payoff has been worth it to me. And that's where I'm like, over and over and over, I just want to choose my own oppression. I just want to do what I want to do without being told that I can't do this. And then when I go and put on my suit and I don't wear makeup and I come looking professional in the way I'm supposed to be and I still get my ass grabbed or still get told, hey, let's go fuck after work or something like that. And then I'm just like shocked of like, why are you treating me this way? At least when I'm in my six inch heels and a face full of makeup and I know where I'm at, I'm at the club and somebody talks to me a certain way, I know exactly what to say, how to respond. And it doesn't, it doesn't even phase me. Like I have completely just 
desensitized myself to any kind of that kind of just um, negative negativity that I would reflect back on myself. That's right. When that person said that I fell in love with my degradation, I no, I'm not in love with this. I just don't let it affect me. I know it's a job. I'm going there. I'm going to get my money and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to feel good about spending that money. You know, it, it's not about what happens to me there. And as far as thinking that bad, like men are bad because of it, um, you know, like I said, men have done bad things to me outside of the club. You know, I, I've been raped and that did not happen to me in the club. Um, I, I had lots of bad things happen to me and men are just going to be men, whoever they're going to be, you know, and, and all men have the potential to be harmful, what, wherever you are, whatever job you have in your own home in your, wherever you think you're safe. We don't have any safe spaces now. I mean, part of why I left like the Leche League, men were allowed into our um, groups about nursing our children. So to me, that's, that's always going to make me feel way more offended than a guy walking into the strip club. So, you know, I feel like there's levels to it, you know? Um, I guess... I mean, do you think that the strip club, like strip clubs sort of can contribute to, so not, you know, it's not that, you know, you're responsible for this per se, but like that the strip you, club. <laughs> you'd be surprised. The Like the existence of strip clubs contribute to a broader misogyny and sort of like a broader acceptance of this idea that women exist for men to use or to, you know, women are just these one dinantial things that exist to titillate. And, and like what you were saying before about compartmentalization is so true. Like, I think that men really, I think that men compartmentalize in a way that women don't like, I think that they've, and I think this is mostly socialized, but I, I could be wrong. I'm not an evolutionary biologist and I know that things are often more complex than just like, it's all culture. It's all socialization. Like that's not right. true. But I do think that men just, and part of this is just having been in so many relationships with men where I feel like they can shut themselves off in ways that I can't. Like I think they are able in a lot of ways to view and treat women in a certain way and not think that that has anything to do with how they see women. Um, you know, it's like, and I, so I do think that in some ways this is confusing, but like in some ways men really can love women and men can be like good partners and then they'll turn, they can turn around and like watch pornography and separate that off and be like, Oh, but that has nothing to do with my relationship and my partner and how I feel about all these women in my life who I really care right. about. Yeah, but I don't know if they're necessarily right. Um, I think that they tried to. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think like I don't think compartmentalization is a good thing. Like I think right. I think that's an unhealthy kind of toxic behavior that a lot of men engage in. I think what and I'm not I'm not trying to excuse it per se. I think it's bad. Sure. It's had harmful impacts on me for sure. Yeah, and it has harmful impacts on women for sure. But I just mean that it's it's one of those things that's it's hard. It's been hard for me to articulate, but what I've been trying to say to women is it's like, he's not all bad. 
Like, yeah, that behavior might be bad, but I also know him and it's not like I, you know, I want to, I want to understand what's going on and engage with him as a whole human being. But I know that, you know, he's not all bad. And then that just turns into like, oh, you're just, you're just excusing men and their bad behavior because like, you're like stigmatized. Not all men. Yeah. Not all men. Not all men. Um, Back to what you were saying about the strip club, as far as does it help to object to absolutely i mean yeah it, we can't get around the fact that it does do that but it's not the reason that men objectify women it's just like a symptom of it you know what i mean it, it exists because men want to see naked beautiful women and they're willing to pay for it um and so that's not going to go away if we just shut all the strip clubs down and we that I guess that's to me is like if we want to stop the objectification of women or why men will pay to see beautiful naked women, well, then you have to get to the root of their sexuality. And that's a lot of it to me is what is going to stop a man from wanting to see beautiful women? What is going to stop a straight man from wanting to go get turned on by women, especially if he you know, you got to face it, but most men don't have access to women in general, you know, like, I I don't know how to explain it, like, uh, if they're single, they're not getting a lot of sex, if they're ugly, they're not getting a lot of sex, if they're broke, they're not getting a lot of sex, like, there's just this large demographic of men that would like to be having a lot more sex than they're having, and so it just opens up this market of, will they have a need to be filled and it's not being satisfied. So how is it going to be satisfied? So they want a view, they want to look at, they want to see boobs, you know? So how do we stop that? Right. And I don't know what the solution is, right? Like I really don't. And I really wish there were a solution. I don't know what it is. Cause I'm like, cause I, (laughs) I get that. Like, it's like, I know, like, it's like, if you're not having sex and you're not having those sexual desires fulfilled and a lot of you know radical feminists would respond and i've responded this way in the past and been like well too bad so i could have to deal with it but like i wouldn't want to be in a situation where i didn't where i wanted to have sex and i didn't have access to sex like it's hard like that it does feel it's like you know i don't right and it's not that i'm sitting here i'm not advocating for um to say that if people want sex, they just have to have it, right? I know well, of that Of course people, not, but it still sucks a lot. And it, and <laughs> the fact remains that we have to address that it is the driving force behind why in a capitalist market like in the United States, um, strip clubs exist. You know, why, why, do, why do I exist? Why does my job exist? It's because men do want this need fulfilled. So how do we come to some kind of agreement where we're like, okay, guys, we know you want to look at women, but these are the women you can look at. The one that has consented. Well, who are they? I've consented because it's my job. I literally take off my clothes for them. Um, maybe their partner consents, but there's this whole group of people that, that I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm articulating this well, but it's, it's the point of, I guess, supply and demand. Like, how are we going to end this problem with patriarchal oppression and men's gaze and this um, objectifying women 
when no matter even if we take it all away, men are still going to want to look at women. It's 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 biological. It's part of reproduction. It's part of humanity that men want to engage with women in some way. And that's even when I started this, I was saying a lot of it is just they're lonely. They want to talk. So maybe it's not even that they need to have a lap dance. They just want someone to sit at their table and have a drink with them and ask them how their day was, you know? So it's, it's, it's complicated as far as I'm concerned. And part of why I don't just look at it like, oh, there's only one answer. The answer is just tell men no. Well, that hasn't ever, it's, it's not working today. It wasn't working yesterday. It hasn't worked for the last 50 years, my entire life anything I've read, when does telling men that they can't have access to women or that they shouldn't look at women, when has that actually solved women's problems of being oppressed by men? Do you think, I mean, do you feel as though there is or is ever a power dynamic at play? Like, do you feel like some men go to strip clubs because it makes them feel powerful because those women kind of like have to be nice to them, essentially? Like they have to pretend that they actually find them attractive and interesting, even though they clearly don't? Hell hell no, I'm not nice to them. There's some people I'm (laughs) flat out mean to. Uh, if a guy thinks that he's going to go to a strip club and just automatically everybody's going to be nice to him, he's got another thing coming. Um, no, I don't know. I'm being a little bit facetious, but at the same time, I'm, I'm being honest. No, it's not just necessarily a power theme because it can go both ways. It can absolutely, not every man is into the same thing. Not every man wants to go to the strip club and be treated nicely you know, or in a situation where they have a power over a woman. But from a radical feminist perspective, they're going to say, well, the men always have the power. They're in the position of power. They're the ones paying for the sex, for the interaction, uh, whatever you may say, whatever you may may be going on. Um, But it's not always like that when you're talking about sexual fantasies. If you're talking about power in society versus submissive, dominant, who is doing what, who's exchanging the money, because that's the other part is that you're talking about two different class systems, too. You're not just talking about male, female. You're talking about rich, poor, who is taking the money, who is getting the money. And a lot of the times it, the guys going in the club don't, aren't they don't have money. They're spending their last dollar, you know, and. They're going to leave broke. They're not in a position of power in every way, right? In every intersectional way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly think that men who go to strip clubs are kind of pathetic. Like, I've always just thought of them as kind of stupid. Like, it's like, because it's like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to this. I, I mean, I, I'm not obviously entirely right, but I'm like. You're going here so that these women have to pay attention to you because they're trying to get your money. I don't mean have to, but they're going to pay attention to you Mm -hmm. and like suck up to you to try to get your money. And you like think that's real. Like you're, you're an idiot. Like plenty of them so stupid. Like you actually think that these women want you like, and they don't, and they don't respect you. Totally. All of that's true. All of that's true. That's why I'm saying there's like a lot of different dynamics going on at once. And, I think that, 
you know, anybody that doesn't want to work there definitely shouldn't be worked there. I think women that are forced to work there because of financial, um, you know, they're being pimped or they are on drugs or they're desperate, like they would rather work a different job, but they can't. So this is the job they have to work. Like none of those women, they, none of those women should be there. Mm-hmm. No. And I think that that is a, a huge, the first problem is no women that don't want to be there should be there. Instead right. and, of but focusing- how do we resolve that? Like, how do we get, cause that, yeah, that, it would be great if like the porn industry and process, I mean, in my ideal world, there wouldn't be, prostitution and there wouldn't be a porn industry and there wouldn't be strip clubs everywhere. Like I, but, but we're, we're operating in the real world. So this is what we're working with. Right. But like, you know, so, so within the situation, the ideal situation would be that everyone was there actually by choice um, and not because they were being trafficked or pimped or, exploited or abused or you know so many of those the women in the porn industry have like major mental health issues and addiction issues and you know it's not it's not this thing where you can say oh yeah just because they agreed they're consenting it's like well no they're sort of like in a desperate situation they're obviously being predated on but like i don't like how do we get to that point I mean, that's, I honestly, I have no idea. I don't have any of those answers as far as, that's why, I, one of the reasons I ask questions a lot because I'm like, well, what is, you're mad at me. You're mad at me because I work here. Well, what what's the solution? How, if I decide, if I quit tomorrow and I never go back and I never work there, I never talk about it again, is the problem solved? <laughs> it's not, right? And so that's kind of where I take it personally. Like you're, and I say you, you know, the general you, people get radical feminists, get very upset with me because of decisions I choose to make. But I'm like, but if I stop tomorrow, that's not going to solve the problem. It's still going to be there. There's still going to be strip clubs in every major city. There's still going to be prostitution. There's still going to be men buying foot pictures and OnlyFans and like it's everywhere. And I go back to men. Men have to be the ones that stop it. It can't why is it on women's responsibility once again to control men and their sex drive and their demand for women? We can't, we can't control that. Right. And I think, and I mean, that's kind of what Richie Hardcore was saying. He's like, men have to be like accountable for the choices that they're making and mm-hmm. start thinking more critically about the kind of porn that they're consuming and try sure. to make more ethical choices around that. Like, if you're going to consume pornography, like, are you consuming pornography where you know that these people are there because they want to be there and that you're not consuming pornography that's harming you, harming your relationship, like harming your sex life because maybe you're you're consuming stuff that's like violent or stuff Mm. that's like sexualizing, you know, rape or like, you know, that's not this like super degrading misogynist stuff that's going to kind of rewire your brain to be turned on by pretty awful things. Um, You know, men do have a responsibility to do that. And, and I just, I don't know that that's, that sort of realization is going to come from radical feminists telling them that they're horrible misogynists. It's not. Is what it comes back to. 
Yeah. And I, and I, like I said, like, I really, I really do want to understand. Like, I want to be like, okay, why do you watch this porn? What are you getting out of it? Partly just because I don't understand, but I really feel like if we don't understand why something's happening, then we're not really going to be able to work with people or try to change things or resolve those situations. I guess the only, sorry, go on. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was going to say that, um, I guess the only way I I can look from a personal perspective of how it could be applied to the masses would be with my own child. You know, I have a 16 year old son and I talk to him about respecting women and consent. And obviously he wants to see naked ladies. He wants to have sex. He is sexually active. He enjoys, um, being stimulated he's only 16 you know and i've been he knows i am not okay with porn like absolutely not he's gotten busted sending and receiving nudes in middle school okay like this is the kind of stuff that's happening in reality at very young ages and my kid's not like you know exposed to anything like that like my home is not like it's not acceptable. Right. So he knows, and it still happened. It still got into, we had issues with his phone and what it is constant. It's constant that I have to be talking about, you know, just respecting women and, and consent and being part of our everyday conversation, just as part of our morals and our values and our, our culture. You know, and I think that that's got to be the larger conversation in society if we want men to start seeing women in a different light or not wanting to pay for sex or not wanting to pay to have their sexual fantasies titillated. But in reality, most people are going to want to have their sexual fantasies explored in some way or another. And so I do believe there has to be some kind of material for people to... um, view or access to learn about sex or whatever it may be you know that's part of why I opened up my sex group for women it was a great space where women were able to share and really enjoy sexual discussions and activity and we watched each other and we learned a whole bunch and I can say a lot of you know that's rare it's super rare I was very proud of that space for that reason because I think more people need it. I think more people need to talk honestly about sex and and have it um, um, material, I guess, like that is consensual that they can see and talk about, you know, whether it's books, drawings, like I don't care, but people are not gonna just stop wanting to have sex, talk about sex, be a part of sex. Like sex is very human. Um, I, I'm curious to know more about what happened with, so you, was it that, so you and your port, you, you and your partner watched porn together and you both together decided to stop watching porn? Is that what, 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 down? Uh, I started lecturing him all the time about. So you like, changed your mind about porn while you were in the relationship? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I found radical feminism when we were, had been together several years So um, I started lecturing him and telling him just everything that I thought and found and the science behind how porn actually damages your brain. And I'm like, you know, if you're viewing it all this amount of time and erectile dysfunction and just all of that stuff, like, well, you don't want to have problems with your penis when you're older, do you, honey? You know, stuff like that. But yeah, it, it took convincing. It was a year. 
it was a year worth of fighting back and forth about like what we were going to do as a couple, you know, and just trying to make him understand that like, this is not what I want in my life anymore. It's not like part of what I want to do as part of our sex. Like I don't want to turn on a video to get turned on anymore and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's been good. You know, like I have, we've had a couple like little fallbacks where he has viewed, but I don't think that he views on a regular basis. And like with what we were talking about before, if he has viewed however many times, like a handful of times and however many years, like, am I going to say my husband's a bad man? He's not a bad man. Yeah. So. Well, and a radical feminist would be like, not my Nigel. And it's like, okay, right. Well, <laughs> right. I love not him, all men, so. not all men. Yeah, no. And, and it is. Or people are just going to like, the people aren't perfect. Like, it's like, there's going to be things that they do that you don't like. And hopefully totally. you can like have a conversation about it. I mean. Right. Right. And every, and the thing is, is that the one, what turns on one person is not going to turn on you know, the next 99 people, like, that is a weird thing that people get turned on by very different things. And that if we're just going to say, I'm just going to ignore human sexuality and what makes people tick. Well, I don't really believe that that's going to be a realistic pathway to female liberation as a feminist. Like, I don't, I don't even necessarily want that. I enjoy my sexuality. I like sex. I like that people can talk about sex. I don't want to be sexually repressed because I also don't want to be controlled by men or oppressed by men in certain ways. When you do, you want to be free to explore, right? Like you want to be free to sort of like have sex that you enjoy having and not feel like, I don't know. It's... Well, I think that's part of what I actually do like about my job, too, is sometimes it's a really fulfilling thing to um, help other people. And I've helped countless people with their sexuality as far as men, women, couples. And that's not all bad. It can't possibly be all bad just because somebody or even myself, like I know I, I get objectified. But that's part of also my job is to allow people to look at me and say, wow, she's beautiful. Oh, I really enjoy watching that. That's that's hot or whatever. You know, now I'm going to go home and have great sex with my wife or my have great sex with my husband, my partner, whatever. Um, or I don't I don't see it in black and white that it's all bad, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes I want to turn people on. Sometimes I want to be looked at. And I think that as adults, adults should have space to explore those things. Yeah, of course. I mean, it does feel good to turn people on. Um, I don't, I, I, uh, I think that's like a reality that is, mm-hmm. it's a tough conversation to have in radical feminism because it's, well, cause it's tough to draw the line between objectification and just wanting to like wanting to be wanted right because maybe that is a form of objectification like a lot of Mm -hmm. men you know particularly online would say to me like oh well you know you say you're against objectification but you objectify yourself like you're obviously trying to look attractive and it's like okay like I suppose that might be true in some ways and certainly I think I must do it with my male like sexual partners Mm -hmm. where like yeah of course I want 
them to be turned on by me and to think about me and to like, look at my body part. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, so it's, it's a, and it's a confusing conversation to have. And I think that more radical feminists would benefit from trying to understand that at very least, like it's a confusing concept to talk about. Sure. And a lot of people really don't understand what that means. And maybe that's a flaw in the concept. Maybe that's a flaw in talking about objectification and we need to find new ways to talk about things. And I think that's part of the conversation I've been trying to have is it's like, okay, I think I actually need to stop using all these terms like patriarchy, even like oppression, like objectification, um, because I might understand what I mean. And I'm doubtful that I even do fully understand what I mean. Like totally. I started to think, oh, when I, if I'm going to be pressed on these things, can I actually give an answer that makes sense that doesn't look sound like I'm just reading my, you know, women's studies paper back at them. Like you want to yeah. be, you want to be talking to people in a way that they get it and they understand and they can translate it in, into like real life situations that they might be in. I actually love that what you just said right there about trying to figure out new words to explain that because I think even when you and I are trying to have this conversation we're fumbling with different like how do I explain this like I'm not I'm not saying this exactly right because there we we're not discussing this enough as feminists in reality as 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 just people we people don't want to talk about sex it's very taboo they don't want to talk about their kinks they don't want to talk about what turns them on or why this pushes their button or you know these guys that do get embarrassed to go to the strip club or they're looking at only fans online like what is it in your life that you're missing that you're going what what are you actually seeking out you know is it that you're lonely do you just want to bust a nut? Like, are you looking for a girlfriend? Because I think some people actually believe they're going to go to the strip club and find some girl and marry her. Like that happens, you know, I, like what are, what are, what is going on with this person? And why do you think that buying women is appropriate for you? I think that that is the conversation. We don't have that conversation. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. I feel like that was a, an interesting conversation. And I'm really glad that I got the chance to talk to you about this. I mean, I really, I genuinely, you know, people have been talking about me online as though I'm some kind of sellout or something, but it's like, I don't yeah. know what you think. I don't know who you think is giving me money. Like, I don't, I honestly don't know what people think about my income. Like if I start trying to have more open conversations about porn, like men are mailing me checks or something <laughs> like that's not what's happening. I'm just genuinely interested in having like open, like as honest conversations as I can have with people and, you know, sure. thinking critically about the world. So I appreciate that we can, you know, have those conversations. No, yeah, me too. I really enjoyed this. And I think for me, I go back to something I learned in college and that was this professor's line goes through my head often um, when I have to deal with real world politics versus something I believe in and want to see idealistically. Um, and that is the political will. And for me, if there's no political will, then you're just blowing smoke. You're just talking to hear yourself talk. And so from a radic radical per uh, feminist perspective, most people are not radical feminists. Most people have no idea what radical feminist theory even is. They, they don't understand. They don't want to. They think that we're man haters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine. I'm totally fine with being labeled whatever people want to label me as. However, my ultimate goal is 
seeing change. And so for me, I think with your desire to understand the other side, and that's my desire as well, because I don't really believe we can ever get to whatever goal we want. You know, your goal is a little different than mine, I think. And, um, but none, neither one of us are going to get there and, and radical feminists either if we don't understand our opposition. And I think that for me is my close for radical feminists is a plea, like stop shutting down other people so much and work with others a little bit more. Uh, I'm not saying be nice because that was like a huge criticism of you. Oh, you're telling everyone to be nice. Like you can tell them to fuck off. You can be the biggest cunt you want to be. Um, but you need to understand the opposition a little bit more, at least on why people function the way they do. And if your goal is actually going to be met by humanity, like, as it is right now, radical feminist goal of just fuck men's sexuality, it's never gonna work. I will die before that happens. And so I would rather spend my time on other goals rather than just saying that men just need to shut up. We're just gonna ignore men. We're gonna separate from men. Men's sexuality doesn't matter because none of that's true. If that was true, we wouldn't be the ones here talking about feminism under patriarchy. Well, and of course it matters. I mean, that's what I was sort of trying to get at when I was saying like radical feminism has a humanity problem. I mean, there was a bunch of things I was trying to get at, but one of the things I was trying to get at, I was like, okay, well, you can't like speak against dehumanization and then dehumanize men and say like, well, fuck, who cares what men feel? Who cares what men think? Like if they're not totally on board, then like fuck him. And like, yeah, who cares about men's sexual desires or sexualities or whatever? It's like, it's not realistic, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's just, I don't know, like men, men are people too. (laughs) As I said earlier, some of my best friends are men. (laughs) As much as we may not like to admit this. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, it was really awesome to talk to you, and I really hope that we get the chance to talk again or maybe meet in person someday. So um, where are you again? I'm in Denver, Colorado. I think that's one of the things every time I would tell you, come to Denver, come to Denver. So (laughs) someday you have to come to Denver. I'm going to track you down to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. well, they do that too. But yeah, like, I mean, (laughs) I love the the states, actually. So, and there's, I've never been to Colorado. I'm like, I'm very interested in going to as many states as possible. So maybe I'll be able to get out to Colorado someday. Okay, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Take care. Bye. I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Megan Murphy. I rely solely on donors and individual supporters to continue to do the work I do. You can donate as little as $5 a month or more. It all counts. Thank you so much for supporting Conversations Outside the Algorithm.